Good morning, and welcome to episode 452 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. Ben, how are you doing? Okay. Do any play indexing this weekend? No, I was out of touch. The only the only baseball I saw this weekend was Syracuse Chiefs versus Columbus Clippers. Mm. Yeah, you told me about that. Uh, yeah. You saw Emmanuel Burris? <laughs> I didn't. That would have made the game pretty exciting, but he was on the bench. He was not starting. So I saw, saw Steven Souza and Justin Sellers and Adi Siriaco and a bunch of people who've... Mike Zagurski, people who've played like one game. They were not not prospect rich teams, although I I guess Trevor Bauer and Danny Salazar were somewhere on the bench. Yeah, and they they uh they, nobody plays in AAA anymore, I guess. No, it was how it goes. pretty bleak. I think that uh I think I remember hearing that the Angels have a philosophy of of like basically trying to avoid having any of their guys go to AAA because mm-hmm. they're not real prospects anyway. Everybody goods in AA and and then AAA, I guess it's not as bad where you are, but out here, AAA can just, it's like barely baseball in some parks. Right, yeah. I wonder how, how much the league quality has changed relative to, you know, AA relative to AAA over the years. Because it used to be the case that, that all prospects would go to AAA, I, I think, even though there were always some, some bitter veterans who were on their way down and thought they should be up. But seems like yeah now a lot of guys skip it or or a lot of the the rich prospect talent is at double a so i wonder whether that has changed the the balance of power the league quality between the two yeah as do i um uh anything else to talk about nope uh okay well i will just say before you give up on on the possibility of banter that the topic i've brought it might last four minutes so, so if you have anything that you want to talk about, today's a good day to do it, but you don't have to. I have one thing I want to ask you, though, be- before we move on to the, the four to eight minute segment. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Dodgers right now and the, and the Chicago Cubs right now have the same run differential. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, it's not the exact same runs scored and the same runs allowed, um, but the Dodgers have, have scored, uh, I believe, three fewer runs than they've allowed. Mm-hmm. And and the Chicago Cubs have scored three fewer runs than they've allowed, and um, the Dodgers are of course uh, in a, in a little bit of a slump, but they're on pace to win 83 games, and uh, you know they're the there's you know they're still considered by many or at least they were considered the elite team in the in the league, and the Cubs of course are playing to 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 expectations. They're on pace to win I think 57 or or 58. So basically you have one bad team that's playing at a 58 win pace. And a, and a very good team that's playing in an 82-win pace or an 83-win pace. Um, and they have the same run differential at this point. And so I, um, run differential is a tricky thing. You know, I mean, obviously, uh, for one thing, you can go deeper than run differential. It's just it's, it's only a slightly less blunt way of looking at a team's performance than record. But when uh, I, I hear a lot of times when, when a team is outperforming or underperforming run differential, I hear uh, oftentimes the, the blowout uh, defense mm. of this team, yeah, uh, which fits perfectly with the Dodgers because they just got blown out twice by the Diamondbacks this weekend, and that that's really what changed things. They lost by ten and they lost by eleven, I think. And 
So the, the saying goes, oh, well, yeah, but, you know, they were they, they had a couple of blowouts that really skewed their run differential. Right. Uh, and if not for that, you know, and, and you know, well, you're laughing. So I guess I, I don't even need to ask you my question. I, I wanted to see what you thought of the blowout, of the blowout defense. Yeah, I, to me, it always seems sort of like the the cherry picking of an individual player's stats when you say that, I mean, it is the same thing. If, it, if it's a pitcher and you say, well, he, he had this, he had this terrible start here in May, and he had this awful start in April, or maybe he had three terrible starts in a row. And if you if you take out those starts, he was you know he was above average. He was really good all year, but he had those bad starts. And so, yeah, I mean, I I feel like maybe there's something to it in that if you're in a blowout, maybe you do things to you're not as interested in in preserving the differential as you would be in a close game. So maybe you put in a position player or you put in the last guy in your bullpen or something. And maybe it's not, maybe it's not the most accurate reflection of, of your talent of your roster, but I mean, bad teams get blown out more often too. So it, it tells us something about, about the quality of the team, right? If, if they're getting blown out more often. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Although I, I think that part of the, when the blowout defense is brought up, it's usually a team that uh, is otherwise good. You know, it's it's not a. I mean, it's it's used to defend a team that we think should be doing better than this. So, uh, but I know I agree with you about that. I think that generally, um, not getting blown out is a good skill to have because mm-hmm. uh, teams do come back from five down, and if if you're a team that gets down by five and is all of a sudden down by 11. That's not a good thing for your future either. Uh, <clears throat> although it's you know not as bad as giving up those same six runs when you're up by two uh, and you you blow a lead. Um, I mean, I don't. I I, f- I I feel like there's something that makes sense about it. Uh, the idea that you know teams shouldn't be judged on their least important innings, which is essentially what happens at the end of a blowout when you know a 12 to Six game becomes a seventeen to six game, uh, as happened to the Dodgers last night. Those are their least important three innings of the year for them, and so judging them too much on that makes sense. On the other hand, somewhat, um, those runs last night were given up by Chris Withrow and uh, Chris Perez, who are mm-hmm. key parts of their bullpen. So it's not like they; it, those weren't the Drew Butera runs, right? Mm-hmm. Was. <laughs> no such thing. He doesn't allow runs. D- uh. He did yesterday. Oh, okay. Paul, Paul Goldschmidt hit a ball a long way against oh, him. Uh-huh. Oh, so Butera pitched again? Yeah. So said, I was in Syracuse. I was out of touch. So, so that's one thing we didn't we didn't discuss when we were talking about whether Butera should be one or the other, whether he should be a full-time backup catcher or a full-time reliever, is why not do both? He seems like the perfect candidate to to be the new Brooks Kieschnick or, or whoever, just play Go both ways. Just do both things, right? Because he wasn't wasn't playing much anyway. He's not a full time player, so he seems like the the perfect guy to just be both. Uh, well, I mean, we don't really know how good he is at pitching. <laughs> no, if he were good at pitching, then sure, he would be the perfect guy. I mean, a guy of his lackluster abilities in other parts of the game would be the perfect guy, <laughs> right? Probably. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, my but my point, my second point on that though. Um, and the reason that I am, very, I actually, uh, despite the words I just, I just said, I actually am sympathetic to the blowout defense um, with regards to the Dodgers, and, and really in a lot of cases at this point, because 
um, it it can definitely skew a team's run differential dif- disproportionately this early in the year, right? Because run differential is essentially it's you know it's, it's kind of it's a rate stat. It basically, you take the run differential and you turn it into a a winning percentage. And a rate stat can be skewed. I mean, we're used to sort of scaling rate stats over the course of a year, um, but you know, in the course of a of a quarter of a year, they can fluctuate wildly. And so, I think that it's a pretty good rule of thumb to discount anything that is radically affecting rate stats this early in the year. Mm-hmm. And so, I actually do think that for the Dodgers, the the two blowouts uh, can be easily you know, washed, washed away in this river of games that will come. Mm-hmm. But right now, they, they, you know, they're a huge portion of the runs that they've allowed this year. Um, I mean, they're like a sixth of the runs that they've allowed in, you know, two of the last three games. And so, mm-hmm. uh, so for that reason, I am, uh, I actually, I think that at the end of the year, the blowout defense holds no power over me. Mm-hmm. At this point in the year, I think the blowout defense is, is pretty strong. Russell Carlton wrote an article just a couple of weeks ago for BP about run differential and when it's when it's real, when we should start trusting it. And he found that the there's a 0.7 correlation. He he always likes to look for when things get to a 0.7 correlation. So um, it gets there around right now, around the the 40 game mark. Uh, the correlation is 0.7 between run differential as of today and run differential as of the end of the season. Hmm. Um, so, so we're at that point right now. So point, okay. Yeah. So, uh, so point seven is, is basically a 50% stability rate, right? Yeah. Right. More or less. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so the, but, uh, just out of curiosity, what do you make of the other team in this fun fact? Is it, conce- is it conceivable they're good right now? Um, I could buy that they're better than fifteen and twenty-seven. I mm. I don't think they're I don't think they're as good as the Dodgers. They don't have uh, by some accounts they don't have a single player who could start on the last place Diamondbacks. <laughs> That's right. By some accounts, on the other hand, the Diamondbacks just destroyed the Dodgers run differential wise over the course of a weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm not there, sure about the Cubs. <laughs> there was some there was some bad news for Matt Albers while I was away, right? Uh, the the Astros. It depends what you think Matt Albers' goal is in this situation. <laughs> our our wishes for Matt Albers that we, well are our wishes that we that that he break this streak of no of no of games finished without a save. If it were just him, then I would absolutely want him to break the record, you know, to keep the streak alive. Mm-hmm. But since there are two guys then you have to choose. You're either a web guy or an Albers guy. <laughs> right. Well, uh, if you're a... If I'm you're an a... Albers guy. I think I'm an Albers guy. I'm rooting for Albers to never get a save and to finish games. So then this was good news for you this weekend that the, the Astros signed Kyle Farnsworth and declared that Chad Qualls will be the closer. Yeah, I have to look something up with Farnsworth real quick because, you know, I, I had that uh, joke about how um, if he's getting vengeance on his former teams, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's not working because he's got so many former teams. Right. And uh, you then, when we were talking on GChat the next day, you pointed out that you know only a couple of teams had released him. And in in my head, I was thinking, yeah, but you know, a team that rejects you is a team that rejects you. So if they trade you, they've rejected you. And if they even if they let you go as a free agent, they're still a team that didn't bring you back. And mm-hmm. uh, I could you know I re- I remember Kevin Mitchell was presumed to 
to have a grudge against the Padres for the entire time that he was with the Giants, and he had massive numbers against the Padres. And they, you know, they just traded him. It's not like they released him. But Farnsworth, if I'm not mistaken, Farnsworth might actually have been. Is he one of those guys who was a uh, had a non guaranteed contract? And yes, the the 45 day deal so that actually, Randy Wolf actually, rejected with yeah, with the so Mariners. They, they basically screwed him out of money, even though he was good enough to be on their team. Mm-hmm. So, so that actually does make sense. So th- th- this this is the first team that's done that to him. Yes. And so I could see the vengeance thing, although he's not very good. <laughs> oh, but we'll see if he elevates his game to back yeah. up the vengeance. All right. So the topic of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember when I uh, when we talked about replay and what replay would change? And I I wondered whether um, with with basically no no real avenue for managers to get ejected. I wondered if the manager ejection would be uh, would be extinct. Mm-hmm. And and then I wondered even further whether managers themselves would would die off to history if they were not in our consciousness screaming and spitting, or I guess more spittling than spitting, mm-hmm. spittling at umpires. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I looked at this for an article that I just sent to you that you haven't read and that you might not run. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but uh, I looked at this to see whether it, uh, ejections are down this year. And ejections are not remotely down. Really? They're they are essentially at exactly the pace that they were at last year, and and uh, they were very slow in April, and have doubled the pace in May. Basically, we're, the we're talking time, manager only ejections. Manager only, yeah, manager uh-huh. only, yeah. They, there was one ejection the first two weeks, and so we started right, at, a, yeah. mm-hmm. at a at a very slow pace, and since then it's been at you know a a very typical pace for historical standards, uh, and uh, May is is double what April is. Um, and uh, so, in fact, managers are getting their ejections in, just like normal. And I wanted to know, what do you think of that, Ben? <laughs> that surprises me. Um, and I remember I noted when the first managerial ejection was, whoever it was. Renteria. It was Renteria. Right, right, right. Renteria. And uh, and then I, I speculated that maybe because of this replay thing, Managers and umpires are just getting along better because now that that source of tension is gone, that you don't have managers stewing about some call that they think the umpire got wrong and they can't do anything about it, now they can do something about it and they find out that either they were right and the call is overturned or that they were wrong. Um, And there was that tweet by Joe Madden where he says that it was, you know, like an era of good feelings between managers and umpires. So, So it surprises me to learn that the pace is not down. Um, well, I uh, I will I will note that April and particularly the first couple of weeks of April seem to uh, always be a little slower or always I, I have three years of data. <laughs> um, they seem to be uh, it seems to be a slower month early on because everybody's in a good mood I guess and nobody's got a uh, nobody's on a wobbly chair in the first two weeks of April and nobody's fed up with the funk in the clubhouse and and all that so. Uh, so it's not uncommon for April to start a little slowly, um, but yeah, this this started much more slowly, and um, so yeah, I mean that it did seem like that was going to be the case. And logically speaking, if we thought that ejections were um, a innocent byproduct of agents behaving in good faith, uh, then they would be down, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, umpire. The thing that makes umpires so aggravating. And awful uh, and horrible for everything <laughs> is uh, like sixty percent of that has just been completely cut off 
uh, it's either been fixed or if not fixed, at least taken out of their hands uh, and put in some, you know, bureaucrats' hands uh, up at up at league headquarters. Um, so they they really shouldn't be getting ejected as much. And so that makes you think that well, one of two things: one is that as as has been surmised that the ejection is is stagecraft, it's kabuki. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I, I don't know that I don't want to say that every manager gets ejected every time just for fake reasons to fire up his boys. But I do think that 98% of them uh, know they're going to get ejected before they, before they do, you know, mm-hmm. before they st- step out of the dugout or before they say the thing that they say right. from the dugout, uh, that they're very in control. And, you know, there are games they don't want to get ejected from, and, and in those games they don't. They get ejected when they, when they want to get ejected. And so... Um, if it's, if it's, I don't, it, there's a fine line between doing it on purpose for strategic reasons and just being in control of when it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's somewhere, somewhere between those two things is I think where we stand. And I think that's why, why we've quickly regained, uh, the, the ejection equilibrium. Um, so I, I don't know if this trend will continue, but compared to last year, uh, so last year at this date, uh, Five of 17 manager ejections, I think it's 17, five of 17 manager ejections had been balls and strikes. Uh-huh. This year, 12 of 19 uh-huh. have been balls and strikes. So more than, you know, like it's a 140% increase in ball strike ejections. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, maybe that won't keep up. Maybe if you go back multiple years, that wouldn't even be out of uh, out of the historical norm. But it would absolutely fit the narrative that you might expect. If I had told you there's all these ejections, and you'd think, well, how is that happening? You, you know, right. that there's, that's really the one place you have to go. So you have 12 of 19 are ball strike ejections. One was Bo Porter mad that, I guess, the benches have been issued warnings over a hit by pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was a unreviewable call mm-hmm. uh, on like a like an attempted bunt or something like that because fair foul doesn't isn't reviewable until it gets past the base. Uh, and then I think that pretty much the rest of them were actually managers arguing about calls that had been overturned or not overturned, uh-huh. <laughs> which seems weird. Cause then, I mean, again, it's like the guy who you're yelling at, like he has no power. This is like yelling at, you know, the cashier at McDonald's because you don't like factory farming. Right. There it's were, like, I mean, there were a couple cases, right. Where MLB just screwed up like the, the right replay wasn't available for whatever reason. Sure. It was like a John Farrell case. And... Oh, yeah, yeah. File a protest, mm-hmm. uh, write a letter, mm-hmm. um, uh, kick Bud Selig in the shins. <laughs> but the the man standing in front of you is not in charge of that decision, right? Right. Like, mm-hmm. He doesn't, like, he's, like, he's been, he's been neutralized. So it does feel weird that you would go after him. But I guess an umpire is an umpire. They're mm-hmm. all, they're all umpires. Yeah. So then this, does this suggest to you then that uh, it is primarily a means of motivating the team that you feel like you have to get thrown out? You got to fire everyone up. You got to have everyone's backs and show the players that you're their advocate on the field and everything. Or is it uh, just partially that and partially just that managers feel like they have to do something to justify their their presence and their salary? Uh I would say it's I would say it's one of three things. 
uh, and I'm not sure which one it is, but it's either the firing up the the, the troops, uh-huh. or or it's just that like losing makes these guys mad, and like they will find the outlet for their anger, mm-hmm. uh, and so you know. That, like this is just sort of the pace of getting cranky is like you know, like one like basically three percent of managers uh which is about how often a manager gets ejected from a game about three percent of games three percent of managers uh you know given the the ups and downs of a season and the fact that at any given time some teams in a six game losing streak and some teams 12 games out of first and some managers on the wobbly chair and some guys just sick of that strike zone uh and is down six to nothing uh, there's always going to just be guys getting mad and cranky and letting off steam. Um, and you know, they, they kind of know where the line is and they don't, they don't care. They get to a point where they're happy to go past it. Uh, and I don't know if they do it to fire up the, the, the guys or just because it, you know, it feels good and they're not, you know, they're human. They're not totally in control of, of, of themselves, uh, their emotions at all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the third is that in fact, what we've been seeing uh, throughout history uh, is mostly about ball strike counts. That basically guys are always mad at ball strike counts, all, uh, at ball strike calls all the time. Like they just, every manager is sitting there fuming at ball strike counts all the time. And that in fact, over the course of history, these other calls have been the outlet by which managers could, could, could scream uh, their, their fury without uh, broaching. Because, you know, if you're. The, according to the rules, theoretically, uh, there's no there's no wiggle room on ball strike mm-hmm. uh, arguing. If you do it, you're out. And it could be that without the outlet of being able to run out on the field every once in a while and uh, give a guy the what for, mm-hmm. uh, they just they just leave it all on the home plate umpire's mm-hmm. shoulders. There was a thread at Tom Tango's site, TangoTiger.com, a couple of weeks ago about how and why the the ML the rate at which MLB managers get ejected is just in incomparable to the rate in other sports. You know, equivalent people people in equivalent positions, head coaches in other sports. You don't. You just. It's a completely just fundamentally different relationship, really, between the major league manager and and umpire and and head coaches and and referees in other sports. It's completely different. And there were some. Some theories about why that is. Do you do you have any off the top of your head? Just why it, there's just this completely different relationship where we just see these guys run out onto the field and yell at each other, and and one of them ejects the other one, and it's just. I mean, in what other sport do you see this? It's just it well, seems seems simple, the, seems natural to us, but it's if you were coming from fandom of some other sport, it would probably be pretty jarring. Um, yeah, I, it seems to me that the most obvious answer is their general irrelevancy in any given game, uh-huh. right? I mean, they're important to a team, but they're not all that important to the next three innings of any game. I mean, uh-huh. the pitching coach and the hitting coach are extremely competent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, I mean, one of the, the main theories is just that other sports don't permit these people to come onto the field of play. You just, you can't, you can't do that, which it, I mean, it seems like it would be a much more reasonable system if managers were just not allowed to come onto the field and argue about these plays. It's sort of strange that they are when you think about it. I mean, you maybe it's that they, 
they have to come on sometimes for you know pitching changes and things so so it seems less transgressive when they come onto the field for for reasons that are not related to actually making a move um but i mean it's it's really really strange with that managers can just walk out onto the field and argue and even after they get ejected they can just linger there for a while and mm-hmm. they can delay the game as long as they'd like um it's a very very strange system there's um there's also uh the fact that there's like no someone else proposed that there's just no uh like other officials in other sports have lesser penalties at their disposal they don't have to go right to ejecting someone because if you know in basketball you can give a coach a technical foul or you can you could get a you can give your football team a, a 15 yard penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct or something like that there's no there's no equivalent in baseball you can't really like you you can't charge someone with a ball or a strike or something because the manager is arguing so you have to go right to the ejection but um i mean I, I think you're right also that there's really no effect on the game, which maybe says something about the importance of, of managers relative to head coaches in other sports. But Maybe, but yeah, I mean, yeah, sort of. Not, it does, I don't think it says anything we don't already basically know, though. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. And it doesn't necessarily say anything bad about them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the managing part is sort of like the necessary evil that you put up with in order to get the, the leadership part, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> right. And and in other sports, like the the play is always ongoing, like the, the referee is holding the puck or holding the football and he's controlling when the next play starts. Uh, you can't. So you can you can yell from the sidelines or something, um, but you can't you can't just walk onto the field and delay it. It's not really allowed. Plus, if you're like in 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 hockey, the if the um, if the head coach wants to argue the referee has to skate over to the bench. The, the the head coach can't pursue him onto the ice because he will slip and fall. Um, and so you have to be sort of civil, I guess, to the referee since he is doing you the courtesy of visiting you on the sidelines. What about um, cricket, Ben? What is it like in cricket? I don't know, but I hope many people write in to tell us. I think it, it, it's too civilized, isn't it? It's too too dignified. I don't know. Such it's, been a while, it's been a while since we've heard from our cricket audience. It has. So if you were restarting baseball from scratch tomorrow, would you just make it the rule that that managers are not permitted onto the field? Maybe for maybe for any reason. I mean, they could signal for pitching changes from from the dugout if they wanted to. No. You would not. No, I don't have any problem with I don't have any problem with ejections. I mean, I don't know. OK, fine. When I I, I do occasionally uh, have in my head uh, the uh, the gif I made once of like uh I want to say it was like Charlie Manuel and Bob Davidson, uh, Davidson, and it was for my uh, my profanity in baseball article. Uh-huh. And they're just these two, you know, men in their seventies just screaming profanity at each other in this like dead silent stadium. There's like four hundred people there, and just <laughs> gross. So that was aw- that was awful. So I, if I could do something to get rid of that <laughs> image, mm-hmm. uh, I would. But no, I mean, I don't. I like the. I don't have any problem with the managers coming out and talking to the umpires, and uh, you know, even even getting mad at the umpires seems fine to me. Hmm. I don't know. I accept it because it's always been that way. But if I were redoing it, I think I might. I might change that. I mean, is it? 
like so this doesn't happen in basketball or or football but what you i mean you see just as many belligerent coaches screaming from the sidelines looking you know yeah. like wait they look way more fired up they do but they can't really do anything about it they're stuck on the sidelines so they can yell and scream all they want and they can get a they can yeah, get but a what's, penalty how, or something what's, the, what's your what is your issue which part of this bothers you uh i think I mean, I'm not terribly bothered by any of it, but I think it's it's strange that baseball is the only sport in which the equivalent of the head coach can just walk out onto the field and argue for as long as he wants to. And he can get ejected from the game, but he can still stay on the field if he wants to. Right. I mean, that's he can he can delay the game as long as he would like to. It's sort of strange. No, I mean, it, it's sort of strange. What's what's your what where's the downside though well like, I, like what I, does it do you're worried because it adds time to the game or you yeah. think that it demeans the game or it, it's undignified for old men to 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 do this or or it what erodes the competitive quality of the game what what does it do uh i mean mostly i'm remarking on the fact that it's unique and strange but i think yes i mean i think it it does delay the game somewhat i would rather I mean, see it's, the game it's like, proceed it's, it's the only sport that wears hats, Ben. Do you have a problem with that? <laughs> that seems logical to me. It's it's sunny out there. Need some shade. All right. <laughs> it's also, yeah, I mean, it's it's probably not logical that the umpire or that the manager wears a uniform as if he might be called upon to play at any moment. <laughs> so that, too, is strange. The uh, If you had, uh, if he could be called upon to play at any moment uh-huh. uh would all t- would all 30 managers be uh under the age of 40 would would any team let me yeah would any team waste that roster spot uh even on a you know a tony la Russa or a joe madden or somebody who was perceived to have great value hmm. uh or would every single team <laughs> yeah i think hire somebody under 40 i think you'd have 30 player managers think so yeah because again, as I mean, if you, if we admitted the possibility that a manager could be such a tactical genius that he could give his team several wins a season just through the X's and O's, then then sure that would be more valuable than having a guy who could actually play. But assuming you can get a veteran mentor leader type who can motivate the team and can also contribute to the team actually scoring and allowing runs, then. Then yeah, I would I would say all thirty would go for that. I would say if we, I wonder maybe you'd get some some grandfathered in guys maybe if it if it if it just started next season all of a sudden and it were when you re- reported to spring trading. I don't know that every team would fire its current manager under contract, um, but I think maybe when those when that contract expired at least I think they would they would switch to the player manager. Yeah, I don't know what the value of a of an extra roster spot is on its own. I mean, it's not like you're adding a great player. You're you, mm-hmm. the, you're adding a roster spot, and that's probably worth. What, I mean, what's a roster spot worth? A win, a half a win. I have no idea. Uh, and I I think the perception uh, certainly among among some in the game is that a good manager, a great manager, is worth more than more than a half a win or a win. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so yeah, the question is whether it would be just because you can talk your. I mean. You know, managers are basically like closers, right? They're all unproven until like their second day in the job, and then they're all proven. Right. And so, if you can just talk yourself past that first day, 
mm-hmm. then yeah, pretty much everybody who uh, is under the age of 40 who gets hired to be a player manager would quickly achieve proven manager. Mm-hmm. Probably. Uh, but in the meantime, probably a lot of teams would feel uncomfortable because they would be hiring an unproven manager. Yeah, uh, but we've seen plenty of unproven managers get hired just a few years after retiring. And we've, I mean, guys like Jason Giambi or someone who was nearly hired as a manager and and Terry Francona will say that he's like having another coach or, you know, you hear that sort of refrain often with the, the veteran mentor type who doesn't play all that much and just takes up the roster spot. So. So, yeah, I think so. All right. I'm done talking. Okay. So please support our sponsor, Baseball Reference. Go to BaseballReference.com and subscribe to the Play Index using the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. And we will be back uh, tomorrow. Please send us emails for Wednesday's listener email show at podcast at BaseballProspectus.com.